Amen. Well, this morning I want to start a two-part series on Jonah. How many know the story of Jonah? How many think, okay, how many know the story of Jonah? Raise your hand. Oh, everyone almost raised their hand there. <laughs> Josh is in the back. I do. Maybe you don't know all the story. So we're going to get into all the story. If you want to pull the PowerPoint up here, the story of Jonah. It's a very famous story. Most people who know the story is Jonah and the? Jonah and the? <laughs> Becky, I know this one. Whale. Jonah and the whale. So we talk about Jonah, but I want to talk about Jonah in a different context today. I want to talk about Jonah and the fact that he is the runaway prophet. You say, well, Pastor David, what do you mean by that? What do you mean he was the runaway prophet? That's what we're going to get into. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Jonah. It is in the Old Testament, and it is uh, towards the end of the Old Testament, really. And uh, turn to Jonah in chapter 1, verse 1. Or you can read it with us here on our PowerPoint. That's why I do it for you. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for this word. Lord, I pray that this word, uh, people are familiar with the story. People are familiar with the story. It's told in, in children's church. It's told from a young age of Jonah and the whale. Lord, I pray that there would be a different perspective this morning. Lord, I pray they begin to see it in a different way this morning. That we don't just dismiss it as a Bible story, but we let it come into our lives and change us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. If we're going to talk about Jonah, we have to talk about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It was established by a guy named, and it's a funny name, his name was Nimrod. Have you ever called somebody a Nimrod? What a Nimrod. Right, Rhonda? No? Never? What a, you know, you've, you've heard that his name was Nimrod. Nimrod actually means a mighty hunter. And it's taken out of Genesis in, in chapter 10. But it served as the, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire for many years. And for years, actually for years, skeptics wondered if it was ever, if it ever really existed. Because it only existed in scripture. And so skeptics wondered for many years. And in 1845, a guy named A.H. Uh, Layard began to excavate the site and found 22,000 documents in the site of Nineveh. The Assyrian Empire, and I want to talk about this, Nineveh was known for its cruelty. The Assyrian Empire was known for its cruelty. It was known for its, here's what it says. This is, a, this is written by Farrar, and there's a book called The Minor Prophets, and it reads this. 
judging from the vaunting inscriptions of her kings, no power was more useless, more savage, more terrible, ever cast its gigantic shadow on the page of history as it passed on its way to ruin. The kings of Assyria tormented a miserable world. They exalt to record how they, had, they failed to have space enough for the corpses. How unsparing a destroyer is their goddess Ishtar. How they flung away the bodies of soldiers like clay. How they made pyramids of human heads. How they burned cities. How they filled lands with death and devastation. How they, how they bloodied the red deserts with the carnage of warriors. How they scattered whole countries with corpses of their defenders. How they impaled men on stakes. How they choked the rivers with the dead bones. How they cut off the hands of kings and nailed them to their walls. This, this is what they did. This was Nineveh. When we think about Nineveh, we think, well, Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. He didn't go to Nineveh. Why didn't he go to Nineveh? Here's a good reason not to go to Nineveh. Here's a good reason. They're, they're chopping off heads and making pyramids of them. That just got me to thinking about the game Jenga. Anyway. They cut the hands off of kings and nailed them to the walls. They left their bodies to rot with bears and dogs at the entrance gates of the cities. They employed nations of captives in making brick. They cut down warriors like weeds. They smote them like wild beasts. They covered their pillars with the flayed skin of rivals. Their wickedness had come up before the Lord. Their wickedness, we can understand why God called Jonah. We can understand why God, we understand why God called Jonah. Their wickedness had come up before the Lord. Their wickedness had overtaken them. Their cruelty was renowned, especially to Israel, by the way. They were bent on world domination and specifically the destruction of Israel. We could put it in today's vernacular. And in modern terms, of there are countries that are out to destroy Israel. Evil countries where people are tortured, where Christians are caged and drowned. Do we know the society that we live in? Do we know the society that happens halfway around the world? Where Christians are tortured for their faith. But I want to say this, because in the Old Testament, we, we always had this idea of God being this angry judge. And in the New Testament, he's this merciful savior. But in the Old Testament, he sends someone, Jonah, to go to speak to Nineveh, to go to preach to them, to go to witness to them, to draw them back to righteousness. It speaks to his grace. Here, we don't see the judge Rather, we see the mercy of a father. And so he calls Jonah. Now, Jonah is an interesting guy. His name, Jonah, means dove, 
What do we think of when we think of a dove? Who said it? Peace. Anything else? Gentleness. When we think of a dove, we think of peace and gentleness and, and maybe even love, right? We think of two doves and we think of the Holy Spirit coming down, ascending like a dove. And so the name Jonah means dove. So you would think he would be a peaceful, gentle guy, right? No. Let me tell you about Jonah. Proud. Stubborn. Disobedient. Unfaithful. A grumbler. Altogether bad-tempered. As we go through the book, you'll see that these words are better used to describe Jonah. But this is who God chooses to use. I actually like that. I like that a lot. I want to read these words to you again. Proud, stubborn, disobedient, unfaithful, a grumbler. Why is everyone always picking on me? A grumbler. Man, everything is going wrong today. Can't anything go right? Mark, can't anything go right today? <laughs> a grumbler. An altogether bad-tempered. How many here have ever been bad-tempered? No, no. How many here have ever been proud, stubborn, disobedient, unfaithful, and grumbling? And this is who, <laughs> Dave raised both hands. This is who God chooses to use. This makes, me, this makes me smile because the characteristics of Jonah are not unlike the characteristics of me at times. Are not unlike the characteristics of us at times. This unfaithful, stubborn, proud, disobedient grumbler that's bad-tempered is who God uses. I'm thankful God chose to use someone with the same characteristics we have. Jonah, by the way, was the son of a guy named Amittai. Amittai. The first mention of Jonah, by the way, is in 2 Kings chapter 14. But I want to talk about Jewish tradition for a little bit. Jewish tradition gives us a little insight into his possible history. And this is just possible history. You have to understand, Jewish tradition was not scripture. It was Jewish tradition. It was, this is what was thought of Jonah. And so with that in mind, I want to say this. I found this to be very interesting. The tradition says that when Elisha sent a prophet to go anoint Jehu, the king of Israel, that he sent Jonah. That Jonah was the one he had sent. He had sent. This isn't the only instance. What they're saying is it's not the only instance that Jonah's used in the Bible. There's also a story in 1 Kings chapter 17 that talks about Elijah and how he went to a widow. Do you remember the story? Where he went to a widow and the widow's son had died. And he helped raise him from the dead. Jewish history says that the boy that was raised from the dead was Jonah. I find that very interesting. But nevertheless, whether, whether that was him, we see Jonah's main works here in the book of Jonah. But God speaks to him clearly. I mean clearly. There's no mistaking the word of the Lord. Speaks to him clearly and tells him to go to Nineveh. Now we have to understand something about Jonah. Jonah was fiercely loyal to the Jews. Fiercely loyal to the Jews. 
He didn't want to preach to non-Jews. Are you kidding me? They're not worthy. Remember, the Jews looked at non-Jews as dogs. They're not worthy. They're not serving God. And because they're not serving God, we want nothing to do with them. But here's the interesting thing. Jonah was the only Old Testament prophet that was sent to preach to non-Jews. He was the only one. He was the only one. There were some that were sent to give judgment, but he was the only one that was sent to preach, to bring them back to righteousness. He was the only one that was sent to preach to non-Jews. Not just any non-Jews, by the way, but very enemy of the Jews. People trying to destroy his homeland. And his reaction to this great calling from the Lord was not, thank you, Lord, you have called me. Thank you, Lord, I, I feel so privileged that you have called me to this great mission. No, his response is he's going to run away. How many ever felt called by God to do something? How many ever felt called by God and you go, God, I don't know about that one. Are, are you, I mean, do you know who you're calling? I mean, you're not calling gentle, peaceful, loving. You're calling proud, arrogant, stubborn, unfaithful, grumbling. God, are you sure? I mean, I know, like, I heard a voice or I sensed something, but maybe it was meant for this guy. Maybe you missed, Lord. Have you ever felt that? That God has called you to something, and instead of responding with, Lord, thank you so much, there's fear. Maybe there's anger. Jonah's response was one of anger. And we'll look into why a little later on. But his reaction was to run away. He, he, okay. This is what it says. I like this. <coughs> but Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then back here he says to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He tried to run away from the presence of the Lord. I mean, he knows he's everywhere, right? Like, this to me is kind of dumb. I'm just saying, it's kind of dumb. It's, it's like, well, I just, I just need to get away from the air around me. Well, I, just, I need to get away from the presence of the Lord, so I'm going to run away. Where the Lord is everywhere, where he is omnipresent, I need to get away from the presence of the Lord. This seems to be pretty dumb. I have a question. There was a show on years ago called America's Dumbest Criminals. You remember watching the show? I want to share with you some stories of dumb people. Just a few. In December of 2011, two men robbed a Target store of movies and video games. They spent a good hour bragging to each other about their crime, how easy it was, and how stupid other criminals were for getting caught. They didn't realize it, but they had accidentally butt-dialed 911 where the operator listened to everything and notified the police. They were subsequently arrested. <laughs> Just an accident. In 2013, a man broke into a home during the day. 
when the owner came home during the burglary, he tried to hide in a crawl space. The police were called and arrested him. When captured, he told the officers that he thought he could only be arrested for burglary if it was done at night. That's dumb. Is, is anybody else? That's dumb, right? Okay. To show there's some that are dumb and unlucky. In 2011, there was a man in Florida. He robbed a home of some jewelry. Then he went to a pawn shop to get money for the items. When he put the items on the counter, the pawn shop owner looked at him weird, strangely, and called the police. The items that he had stolen were from her house. <laughs> when he laid them on the counter, she recognized them, and he was subsequently arrested. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Right? Jonah could be placed in this category a little bit. Just, come on, you can't run away from the presence of God, but guess what? Sometimes I can be placed in that category, too. Sometimes I try to run away from the thing that God's called me to. Sometimes we try, we try to run away from the things. It's too big a responsibility, Lord. I'm not fit for it. Lord, it's too much of a weight. It's too much of a burden. God, you want someone a little bit holier than me. God, you want someone a little bit more prepared than me. How many ever felt that way? God, I'm not worthy of this calling. God says, no, I, I know that you're proud, and I know that you're stubborn. I know that you're angry at times. I know you got a bad temper sometimes, but I have called you, and my calling is irrevocable. I've called you. I like this. We ever tried to want, we've tried to run away from the presence of God. It's impossible. We know it is. We try anyway. He runs in the opposite direction. You have to understand Nineveh, if we're looking at a map, Nineveh would be way over here on the right, upper right-hand side, and Joppa is down over here by the water. So he goes to Joppa, and he hops on a ship, and he gets inside the ship, and he leaves. I want to look at God's response to him leaving. Because he leaves, he says, God, I understand you called me, but guess what? I got better things to do. So he takes off. God's response, I like this, was not to wash his hands of Jonah. He wasn't to wash his hands of Jonah. A human father probably would have shrugged him off in disgust. Said, I've called, you know, I want you to do something. I've asked you to do it. You just want to run away? Psh, whatever. That's a human father would probably will just, just shrug him off. Probably found someone more willing to do the job. Probably found someone more capable to do the job. But that's not what God does here. You see, when God has a purpose for someone, the, the gifts and callings of God are always there. And he'll do one of two things. He'll either fulfill his purpose or he will simply run them over to get it done. They'll either fulfill his purpose or he'll simply run them over. And guess what happens with Jonah? He runs them over with vengeance. He runs them over with vengeance. Let's take a look. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4. But the Lord sent, so Jonah's in the ship. Jonah's in the ship. It's headed for Tarshish. He's trying to get away from the presence of God. But the Lord sent out a great wind onto the sea. And there was a mighty tempest. What's a tempest? This is a mighty storm. This massive hurricane-like storm. 
And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. These were not believers. These were men who had their own gods. And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. Just minding my own business here, Lord. Fast asleep. Fast asleep. Go to the next one. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for, for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I want to go just a little bit into this. What is casting lots? Anybody know what casting lots is? What's that? Placing bets? Not so much, but that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. It would be like the modern equivalent of flipping a coin. Sometimes they would use flat stones. Sometimes they would use sticks with markings on them. And what they would do is they would take, like if there was five guys, they would take five sticks and place a marking for each person on it, and then they would drop them on the ground. And whoever stick was on top was the winner. By the way, just in case you're curious, they used casting lots a lot in the Bible. They used it to actually, when uh, Judas betrayed Jesus, they used casting lots to pick the next disciple. It was used to determine the will of God. It was used to determine just, just random chance fate. What is the will of God in this situation? And God didn't always deter it. But that's what casting lots was. It's the modern equivalent of throwing the dice, of flipping a coin. They would use flat stones or sticks. It was an ancient practice, and it was used throughout Scripture. But here, it's used to determine who is causing the storm to come upon us. And in using it, the lot falls on Jonah. The lot falls on Jonah. Go to the next slide. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people Of what people are you? They start questioning and going after him hard. There's this massive storm. We're all going to die. You're the reason. Tell us, what is your problem? And he says to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Go to the next one. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. It's a big word. It was becoming a hurricane-like strength. Go to the next one. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Jonah is caught. He gets caught. He knows it. Have you ever been caught? Have you ever been caught before where, okay, confession time. Christmas 
years ago. If my mother is listening to this on podcast, I couldn't have been eight or nine years old. And I wanted some quarters because after my, we went to my grandmother's house, we were going to go bowling. And at the bowling alley, there was vending machines and there was video games. Right? So I wanted some quarters. Well, I didn't have any quarters. But my mother's purse was wide open. Now, Mom, if you're listening to this, it wasn't me. It was Joey. I'm just telling the story like it was me. So I see the purse open, and I see some quarters in the purse. And I go, and I put my hand in the purse to take out some quarters. And just as I do, my Uncle Greg sees me. I am caught, hand in the purse. And he looks at me and says, what are you doing? I'm nine years old. My face gets red. My hands get clammy. I take some quarters out, put them in my pocket, nothing. Were you supposed to be in your mother's purse? Maybe. I was caught red-handed. Did I get in trouble? I don't remember. <laughs> but there's times. How many have ever been caught red-handed? How many have ever been caught doing something bad, not listening? Caught red-handed. That's what happened to Jonah here. He gets caught. He gets caught. He knows the storm is because of him. He knows they, they throw him up. They say, what are you doing? Is this because of you? He gets caught. There's no reason to hide now for Jonah. The only thing he can do is try and spare the lives of those he's traveling with. But the men don't listen right away. Go to the next one. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. God, we're going to kill this dude, but please don't put it on us. That's what he's saying. God, we're going to throw this dude overboard, but if he dies, don't let his blood be on our hands. Do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they finally listen and, and they give in. Go to the next slide. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And they took vows. See, I love this part. These men worshiped their own gods. They had cried out to their own gods earlier. But when they saw the storm subside, they saw the power of God. And it affected their lives and possibly affected their eternities. I love when God just shows his goodness sometimes. But now, what happens to Jonah? You ever watch the old Batman TV show? Where they would end it on a cliffhanger and they would say, tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel. You remember that? Well, this, what happened to Jonah? To be continued. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord, for the chance to just come and share your word, to come and dig deep into your word as we examine Jonah, this runaway prophet. Lord, this, this runaway prophet, this one that you've called, 
God, you've called so many of us. I pray that we would not run away from the calling in our lives. You've called so many of us. Lord, I pray that this week that we would feel that calling in our lives. We would feel it deep within our soul. We would feel it in our prayer times. Lord, we would feel it driving our car. What you've called us to do, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would not run away from it, that we would embrace it, that we would lean on you, that you would be our understanding. God, I pray over each person here. Lord, I pray over those who aren't here. I pray over those listening on podcasts. I pray over Vicki and Frank and the family. And God, I just pray that you would bless them. Lord, that this, this week that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them, and that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.